Hello, it's Alice Arnold here. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. This week, my guest is the legendary actor Michael Brandon. You probably know him from Dempsey and Makepeace, but, well, as he showed us all, he's got quite a few stories to tell. So, these are... Now, Ooh. I think these are... What do we got here? Well, they're called... Can it, can it, can it, what, what, what are they called? They're Italian. From a Best baker in. Um, these are little hazelnut. If I can open them. There you go. They, they're like pastry. Mm, looks with like, like hazelnut Greek baklava. With, it does, but it's, it's Italian and it's sort of like a praline filling. Mm. I dare you. What filling? Like hazelnutty. Mm. All right. Are like they the Nutella same or different. They're all the same. I right. didn't get a mixed box. I got. Okay. Go right. for it. I'm gonna go for it. I'm going to too. It's crispy mm. pastry and then. Mm. Mm, it's been crispy. Well, mm. well, it's like Nutella. That's gone all over my. This is my not notes good for an now. interview. No, but it's quite nice, isn't it? Mm, lovely. Mm. Good. It's crunchy. Mm. Yeah, it's crunchy. <laughs> Well, at least you've got you've got a diet coke to wash it down. Yeah, I can wash this down. Because, mm, um, I've probably got it all ah. over my face now. That's what we need. Okay. Um, for you at home who can't see this, Michael has very sensibly got well, out a, a little napkin. Um, Michael Brandon, I haven't even introduced you, and I'm, we're halfway through the podcast. But there you go. This is always the best bit. Eat one of these. I think they're called can cannolis. Can oh. Anyway, Michael Brandon, you were, just as we were eating our thingies, telling me about your first ever job in New York when you, it was dinner theatre, but you had to serve the dinner. Yes. Yes. Yes, I auditioned. <laughs> I got well. the part in a in a Rainmaker, <laughs> and I didn't know when I flew off to um, all these places, you know, Roanoke, Virginia, and Kingsport, Tennessee, Nashville, Addison, Texas, that you had to serve dinner. As well, I didn't and then know you had perform. to serve dinner in dinner huh? theatre. I thought they had other people serving the dinner. Well, while I thought you did so the play. too. And all this for like twenty quid a week, plus the tips, and you also get them setups because they brought liquor in brown paper bags. So, you know, you'd be in the middle of a show, and they go, "Hey, Starbucks, can I get some more coffee?" <laughs> uh, I'm acting now, mm. uh, you know. So. Yeah, it was a good experience. You learned a lot, you yeah. know. See, that's a very American thing, that dinner theatre thing. We don't really have it here. Well, it, now equity's in, two, you can't. But, yeah. but no, and and if you... But you did used to have to do the show and then also assistant stage manage it and probably wash the costumes when you start, you know. Right. That, well, you, you lived in the theatre, and these barn dinner theatres, you lived in the back, mm. they had bunk beds, you shared a company car, um... I, I, I remember there was a big snowstorm and um, the theater was closed. It was like, you know, three, four feet of snow as they have there. And um, so nobody came because the theater was closed and there was no food. The kitchen had a big chain on it, you know, because actors live in it. You know, so. <laughs> and, we were, we was, and we were really far from town because you got to keep those sinners out of town, right? <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So we we worked on the on the lock and finally broke the lock and chain and got in and all that was in the kitchen in the refrigerator was a dozen eggs and I don't eat eggs and that's cuz my mom used to put 
raw egg in my malted because she thought that was good for me. Mm-hmm. And so I would taste it and say, Yeah, I'm not eating that. It's like, do you watch I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? The jungle Yeah, thing. sometimes, yeah. yeah. Eating that stuff. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, I want them to take my wife. It'll, <laughs> she'll be great, you know, because she screams at everything. And, I, you know, and... Um, she, she calls me kind of sadistic about this, but I, I really think she'd be terrific be, on that. She would be. She would be. Yes. Yeah, but she, she, she hates, of course, who, she's scared of all those things. But that's what they want. They don't want people. Oh, yeah. She'll be, but all you'll hear is screaming through the jungle. And then you get to go and stay in that seven-star hotel in Australia. Yes, for the whole just, time. Just, just wait for it to come out. I know. It sounds it's a perfect result, to me. Exactly. <laughs> now, Michael, you are here because you are in White Christmas at the Dominion Theatre. And I was thinking, we all know the song White Christmas. Of course we do. But I think a lot of us don't really know its context. We don't know. We know it comes from a show, but I bet lots of people don't know the show. Well, you know, Bing Crosby, I think it's the most famous Christmas song ever Mm. recorded. Um, He did it. And one of my close friends is uh, his granddaughter. And I asked her when I was doing this, I said, do you ever visit the set? She said, bingo never allowed anybody on the set, never around while he was working. That was the way it was. But um, So I, I thought I was going to get some inside information, but I didn't. Um, and the, But the songs, all the songs are Irving Berlin. And, I, I, you know, I'm not a, your musical guy. I'm in a different world here uh, with all this dancing, and they all count dancers, one, two, three, four. They're all doing that. I remember in... Um, Singing in the Rain, there was one of the dancers, the ensemble, and they always play all the other roles, you know, non-speaking, whatever, you know. Mm. So I'm R.F. Simpson, the studio head, and I take my wife to the opening. It's how it opens with everybody coming at a premiere. And um, so we, she's got my arm, and um, I start to walk down the aisle, come through the audience, and she was like a rooted tree, I, I nearly fell backwards, you know, and I'm trying to like to get up to do my line and she's not moving. And I said, what are you doing? She goes, three, four, five. And then she starts walking. So after I, I got there, did my, you know, the scene. And after I said, what was that about? And she says, well, you weren't with the music. I said, what music? She goes, the score. Is the music playing then? She goes, there's music playing all the time. I said, well, yeah, so what? I said, I know when I'm supposed to be there. And she said, you've got to count. I said, so let me get this straight. You're counting all the time? She goes, dancers count all the time. I said, wow, that's, that's insightful, you know, because now I see it. I watch them, how they walk on. It's not like cues. They're, well, it is, it's but, you know, it's five, musical six, cues. Seven, eight, so, and all of a sudden they move, mm. and they just right step into the flow. I don't work anything near like that. That's so when your thing. musical director Neil was saying to me, you know, I said, forget the numbers. Forget the numbers. Like in Jerry Springer, they said, um, I said, could you take out the libretto? I just want the lines, just the scenes. Well, how will you know when it's time to talk? I said, it'll be quiet. <laughs> you know, it's just a, a different animal. You know, actors and musical actors it's a different thing so you know i have learned a lot now i'm you know almost counting i there's one place where i do have to count and you that's you have a little sing in this don't you i sing and i dance and it's the dancing part that i go 
one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Otherwise, I'm standing alone. You know, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I still get two things wrong in, in the finale. Um, one is um, when we're supposed to turn up stage to, uh, to the orchestra, you know, and give them mm-hmm. their due, you know, for applause. I always turn the wrong way. I don't know why, mm-hmm. I just do. I turn the wrong way. And the, the little girl plays my granddaughter. is always going, other way. Okay. Uh, and then when we go off for the, um, in the finale where the dancers come forward for a little encore kind of thing, I'm always a half step late. It's like, oh, yeah. You see, if you're counting, you won't be. But because I'm not a counter, it's the way it goes. So the end of the show, tricky for you, Michael. Tricky. Tricky. It's exciting. It's an exciting moment. You never know. You never know. (laughs) But then I had that same thing in in Singing in the Rain. I was the guy with the umbrella going the other way. You know, they were twirling this way. I was twirling that way. I was heading this way. Whatever way they're going to do it, you're just going to do it the other way. I, I think they kind of, like, accepted that. You know, nobody's given me a hard time about it. They know I've gotten a hell of a lot better at it. Um... And uh, I kind of like go for it now, and I'm I'm singing out there. You know, I used to be very quiet because I didn't want to throw off the rest of them. I thought that might happen. You know, what if I go? You know, um, I'm dreaming. dreaming of, yeah. you know, and um, so I thought I could be throwing Brenda off a little bit. You know, um, but she belts. So it's okay. She I think covers she'd be up all right. anything I'm doing. And Danny and Mac, now I'm in there. I Danny join Mac in. is in this with you as well. I bet he's not thrown off, is he? No. By by anything he, that he, you do. Nothing. No. Nothing throws no. him. He's like he's got on sorted. track. He's yeah. got. He must be counting up a storm. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> no. So and there's other songs, of course. It sisters and heat wave and all of these are in White Christmas, which you know. So good Urban sisters. You know. It's like the Andrew sisters, you know what I mean? It's like mm. um, when um, Nicole and Claire and Brenda do this, um, the threesome, it's it's like, it's really like the Andrew sisters and, you know, um, falling out of love. You know, it's just it's just wonderful. It's happy. Mm. And, um, well, it's a happy show, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And that's why we're doing it at Christmas. It, at the, it's a gift. It's, it is a gift. And... Uh, you know, a gift I'm enjoying very much. I, you know, to be in this seasonal show, and it's a, a limited run. That's the thing because this is as good as anything that's running, you know, permanently. But because it's so seasonal and Christmassy mm. and 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 that that they'll end it the first week of January, and which is kind of a shame because it just is so good. Now you brought up. Sending your wife to the jungle. Um, <laughs> Thanks so, for repeating so that. So I'm, I'm going to pick up on it. Because <laughs> you met your wife, Glynis Barber, when you were starring in Dempsey and Makepeace, didn't you? Yes. And so... Jungle Howl. But that must have made doing Dempsey and Makepeace rather nice because you were in love with your co-star. Well, yes. But... It's a double-edged sword because um, we're working together, you know, and, and, and we weren't um, a couple the first year, first season. Uh, when did it start to brew, Michael? So I, I was there. I was totally it. up for it. Oh, you from know. the very beginning. From you, the beginning. You were like, 
Yeah, well, also, you know, the amount of hours in a day, you know, you're working hard and, you know, um, it's an occupational hazard, you know, but, um, yeah, so, uh, and she had, she had a boyfriend, so. So you uh, had to wait for that. Yeah, you know, things had to work their course Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, uh, and, uh, the series continues, you know, we're married 33 years last month. No, 30 years. 30 years. But together, maybe 33. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so how, I want to know how you got from New York to England to be doing Dempsey and Makepeace. How did it happen? Well, it, it wasn't quite that easy. I, um, I was living in California. I, had, I was born in New York, Brooklyn, and I trained in New York at the Academy in the Actors Studio and... Um, then started working. And after I did that job, dinner theater, I got really good reviews. And that was my first gig, you know, out of school. And, but nobody cared because stealing the show in Tennessee didn't mean anything in New York City. So I realized if I wanted to be a movie star, I had to have an agent. So you go out banging on doors with your photograph and you make up a CV with all kinds of lies that <laughs> yep. you've done. And so finally, I think if you come from the street like I did, you realize you have to use something different. So I went into the biggest agency in New York at the time was William Morris Talent Agency. They used to have a big um, board in the lobby with all the agents' names. They don't do that anymore. And I took two names off the list, called one, and said the other one said he should see me, ASAP. And it worked. He said, well, uh, when are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm a couple of blocks away. I was in the lobby. <laughs> and I went up to see him, and he looks at me, and he said, you know, there's a Broadway show casting. If you get over there today, you might just get in. So I go over, and I got in, and I auditioned. I gave him some story, you know, please, you got to let me have a shot, you know. And, and uh, they called me back three times, you know, for callbacks. Mm-hmm. And now it was down to me and one other guy. And this other guy won an OB, which was an off-Broadway award during the audition process uh, for a play called Indian Wants the Bronx. And that gave him the edge. And he got it. Some guy named Al Pacino. Uh, so did he do well for himself after I think that? He, well, this guy he had he had some. You know, yeah. I didn't, first I didn't see it. I have to tell you, three weeks I watched this guy in rehearsal and I thought, what a dud! He's going nowhere. You know, they made a mistake. They should have let me have this part. And then after three weeks, he let it out, and it was like all of a sudden, ah! I, and it was like pure Al Pacino, and I stood there gobsmacked, and I said, wow. I couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. And uh, I learned a lot from Al. And we became friends. And um, we, they asked me to understudy. And I said, wait, from the lead to the understudy? I said, you know, what's that about? But I thought, you know, my second job, I'm on Broadway, not too shabby. So I did it. And um, Al and I did become buddies. We used to go out to Jimmy Ray's, the the bar where all the actors go after, you know, and a lot of stories took place there, you know. And Al, he tricked me once. 
he said, come up, have a drink with me. And I said, well, I, I'm in the third act. You're not, right? He said, all right, a little one, a little one, you know? So, because he did, had his big deal in the second act. And, I, and then in the third act, I'm in there. And so we're sitting there, and um, he's got this funny expression on his face. He's, you know, he's kind of laughing in his eyes. And I said, what's up? And then all of a sudden, I realized the song that's coming from the stage, I'm supposed to be there. And I said, <laughs> you, you. And he cracks up laughing, you know, like it got me. And I'm flying down the stairs, and I see the, the stage manager trying to get my jacket on. So I come running up, and I have to come out on this balcony, you know. And I give all this information that changes the play. And he says, you haven't got time. Get out there. So I just run out on the stage, and I go, Beckham's dead, da-da-da-da. And everybody looks up to the scaffolding where I'm supposed to be on. And I go, no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so they all turn and look at me. I, I, we finished the play. Then I went around to everybody and apologized. I got to Hal Holbrook's dressing room. Now, he was a big star. He was the guy that did Mark Twain and a lot of movies. He's seen him a million things. Mr. Holbrook? Yes? It's uh, Michael Brandon. I just uh, wanted to apologize once. Only once. Right. Now, I worked with him 20 years later, and I told him about that story. He said, I said that? I said, yeah, you said that once, only once. He said, I was a dick. <laughs> Everybody has it, you know. But, but you never uh, did it again. Yeah, I never did it no, again. No, you never did never it, did it again. again. Oh, crumbs. But no, we still haven't got you to England Michael. Oh, right. We're still okay, in, we're so still I'm in, in California. Yes, I'm in California, California now. And I, I, I meet Julia Phillips, who wrote a book called You'll Never Eat Lunch in This Town Again. She was brilliant. She was smarter than almost all the men out in Hollywood. And she had achieved, she produced movies like E.T. and uh, Blue Steel, Steel Blue, I don't know, Steel Yard, um, lots of amazing movies. She was brilliant. And she liked the story... I had and gave me an office at Fox Studios uh, to develop this movie and another one also that I wrote. And during that process, we kept the studio was being taken over by different people. So Marvin Davis came in. I mean, Putnam was in there during that time, right? That didn't go mm -hmm. so well. And then uh, Marvin Davis buys the studio. So every time that happens, you have to go repitch everything. And you get notes, and you have to rewrite them, and the notes, and then they say, well, I would like to do that with this person. You know, so you have to develop for that person, and so on and so forth. And it goes on and on and on. I know one guy has got a script 25 years. He's still going around to getting notes. It's been by every studio. Fortunes are, are invested in this, and it's never happened yet. So... I get a call from my agents, who were the two biggest agents in the world, Mike Ovitz and Ron Meyer, CAA. I go in, they got the conference room, you know, like 20 chairs, just us. And he says, you know how much money you didn't make this year? I said, how could I know that? We do. He opens a file. You didn't do family ties. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Those are all television series. I don't want to do a television series. Well, Michael, it's about energy out. And the return, you know, the yin and yang. See, the writing on the wall was different. The winds of change in Hollywood. 
how things were going. And uh, so I said, well, I see, I, I, do, I like to do television movies, movies for television. I've done over two dozen of them and worked with amazing directors and stars and everything, you know, and they're like features for television. And uh, he said, well, let me put it this way. All those big series that are on the air now that have all these big casts, the cop shows, the doctor shows, they are giving all the actors in those series the movie of the week deal if they re-up in the series. So all your work in that area is going to dry up. They agented me mm-hmm. very well. And I said, okay, send me some pilots. So I'm back in my office in Fox reading these pilots. Garbage. But there was one on funny paper, A4, which we don't use. We use legal size. But it was skinnier and longer. And it was Dempsey and Makepeace. And I read it and I like it. I call him up and he said, that shouldn't have been sent to you. That was a mistake. I said, but I like this one. He says, but you're not right for the part. I know the way it's written, but I've got an idea. They said, they don't want to see you. I said, the CAA, get me a meeting. So I, I, they get me a meeting, and it was um, the current producer and the head of drama for LWT, and uh, they're packing their bags. Literally, you knew it was a courtesy meeting. They are putting their clothes in to go make a plane. I said, well, thanks for seeing me, guys. I know you don't think I'm right for this part, and I'm not because I don't look like your California millionaire, so on and so forth. I said, but think about it. You've got Lady Harriet Makepeace. I said, so why not have Lieutenant Dempsey, a New York homicide detective, out of the gutter? He'll tell her the true meaning of the bard's words in street talk. If you're interested, and I leave. I get a call from my agent. He says, they're coming back. They're going to take the later plane. They want you to put that on tape. And that's how it happened. Next, uh, it's the deal is done. And I'm on a plane thinking, what have I done? I'm now going to England for six months uh, to film this show. And I get there. It's raining. It rains for 28 days straight. Yes, I did read you weren't very happy about coming to England in the first No, no. I, I called room service for about 12 feet of yeah, rope. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. And, and, and there were only three television stations in 84, right? So you could yeah, watch... Yeah. Right, um, how to build a window box, um, how to maintain your loom, or Torvald and Dean. So I really got into Torvald and Dean. It was amazing, <laughs> you know. But I, it was, uh, it was a different life. And then going to work, it was, it was so different. The first day, you know, I'm driving the car that Merc with shades on, top down. It was a sunny day, and. Uh, I'm having lunch. I'm actually spitting out something called blood pudding. I don't know what it was like. Anyway, and um, knock on the door. We're ready for you. And the guy's standing there with an umbrella. It's buckets coming down. And I said, ready to do what? Finish the shot. I said, the one where I was driving in the sunshine with the top down. <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, maybe you haven't noticed. It's pouring. He said, yeah. Well, it won't match. You see, Hollywood is all about continuity. That's why they're in Hollywood, because it's the most stay same weather all year round. And he said, yeah, it won't match. Match. 
Yeah, continuity. Well, yeah, but the weather changes. I said, and the English are okay because they know that before it was sunny and now it's not. Huh. <laughs> wow. I mean, really, it was a revelation. And, uh, you know, I thought, why can't, you know, if you did that in America, you would get like thousands of letters of complaint, you know. So anyway, it was like a whole new education. And that's how I got here. And uh, we, we got on with it. And you got here and stayed here. Yeah. Pretty much. I know. It was, I never thought that was going to happen. Um, we went back to, well, we had to do a, um, a promotional tour of the show for America because basically it was American money. It was the Herald Tribune mm-hmm. uh, that put up the money for the financing of the show. And so at that point, I don't think we, well, she wasn't speaking to me. So we flew to New York. Well, Glynis wasn't yeah, speaking to Yeah, she didn't speak you. to me in New York. In Chicago, uh, we, okay. we had a cup of coffee. In San Francisco, we had a meal. I think she said, pass the salt, please. Mm-hmm. And then in California, in L.A., uh, I introduced all my friends to her. We were in the same hotel, and they thought she was great. And I said, you think she's great? She's amazing. Amazing. She's so different. She's so fresh. She's, she's, she's lovely. And it's like somebody sprayed my eyes, you know, and cleaned my eye, the windows, you know. And it was also being out of the character. And so we, she was leaving the next day. We took a walk on the beach in front of the hotel. And we had a really nice, relaxed conversation. And... That night, she came and knocked on the door and said, I'm leaving, just want to say goodbye. And there was a smile in her eyes, and I, I think it happened right there. So uh, the second season was very different. And we didn't know at that time there would be a second season. So, you know, when it got picked up and, well, when it came out, we never, never anticipated what happened, that that show would become... Just as well there was, yeah. or you might not have gone back and seen Glynis again. That could have been the end. If they didn't pick up the show... uh, Your whole life would have been completely different. Just think of that. I'll have to think about what that book would have been. Yeah. (laughs) And now all you want to do is send her into the jungle. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, Michael, tell me what Christmas holds in your... in the the Brandon Barber household. Well, you know, this show, White Christmas, was a gift. Um, It was a little holiday gift and a really lovely thing to do over the holiday time. And we just got a new puppy. Oh, what sort? A multi-poo. A multi-poo. Yeah. It's like it's ultra... Like, it's like it's, the, it looks like a teddy bear, look doesn't up cute it? cute in the dictionary and there'll be it's, a picture it's of It's a that. multi-poo. Yeah, how and they you, take a little bone and lie on their back with their ears flopped and they hold it in their paws. And, you know, what, I mean, so cute. We're, we're very keen on dogs on our podcast. How old is the little multi Five months now. And, what, and a name? Gigi. <laughs> right, Gigi. Uh, Gigi spoiled at all in any way? I don't know. Can you spoil it? You can't really spoil a child. Um, I think in, in the early years, you know, it's, that's what it's meant to be. I mean, if you can't be spoiled in your youth, what's the point? So will Gigi the multi be jumping on your bed on Christmas morning and helping you open ah, your stocking? Well, 
No, because yeah. Glynis has the rules. Right. She's the disciplinarian here. So, um, no, not on sofa and not on bed. You know, on lap. Oh, I see. <laughs> on, see, I <laughs> try to say... On on sofa, but not on sofa. How do you think the dog <laughs> distinguishes that? No, but, but that's tricky for the dog, yeah. I would say. But she, she's got it. She's smart. So, yeah. I mean, this morning, she, she did something. She came up and she put one paw out. And she was just looking at me, you know. And so I put one hand down on the floor. Then she put the other paw out and I put the other hand on the floor. And she moved the floor and she touched my hands. And I thought, we're communicating. This is, this is communication. So I took my hands back and she pulled her paws back. And I thought, she's teaching me. Yeah, well, so we're going to be familying with um, my son and the puppy. And we will be here. And uh, I think they'll be working on the tree a little bit tonight. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I'm working. So and you're doing your show. show I've got but 10 you get to Christmas do this week. Day off. Are, you, are you hands-on in the kitchen with that or not on Christmas Day? I'm hands-on the kitchen door. Right. Hands-on the microwave. Uh, <laughs> And um, I'm not good at the kettle. Um, no, but I, really but I not make, good at the kettle. <laughs> I'm not good at the kettle, and I, I don't like tea. I, I'm coffee, so mm-hmm. I, I, made, I make coffees for everybody. Um, and I'm not, no, I'm not. I eat, I'd rather eat out. Actually, that's why it's not a problem for me. The Dominion Theater's on, you know, Totten Court Road mm-hmm. and Ox, you know, Oxford. Lots of so restaurants. Plenty of places to eat, and um, I'm okay with that, you know, and... Um, yeah, so it's it's a it's quite a schedule, but the thing is, this show is limited. It's only on for a short period of time because it's seasonal. And when it finishes, and you've done your finale, and you've turned the right way occasionally and gone off, um, what any plans for twenty twenty? What would you? What would well, be your wishes for twenty twenty? I'm, I'm three quarters through a book of uh, fifty years in the business, which uh, has some. Amazing stories like what happened in Jimmy Ray's with Al Pacino and, uh, you know, working with De Niro and, uh, you know, Jacqueline Bisset and Shirley MacLaine and all these people. And um, there's amazing stories. George Burns, for example, you know, not a lot of people remember George Burns, Gracie Allen, George and Gracie. He was black and white television. He was the comedian. He was most amazing man. And I did a, a film with him. He was, I think, 90. And I saw an old man walk into the trailer, and I thought, all those cables right around the door, if he trips, he'll break into pieces. He came out in a tuxedo with a cigar. Hey, kid, how you doing? And it was amazing. It was amazing. And he said to me, you know, I just played Vegas, you know, in my dressing room was next door to all those chorus girls, you know, the ones with the long legs and a bazoom. He said, and there was a hole in the wall between my dressing room and theirs. <laughs> he said, but I plugged it up. Why drive him crazy? <laughs> you know, I mean, he, it, 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 there's things, yeah. story, you know, Robert Mitchum working with him in, in, in France and, you know, stories all day long. So we're hoping this book, I'm hoping you're going to finish what this I'm gonna next do is year, are you? 10 to 12 chapters Knuckle written. down. Hmm? Knuckle down. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to sit down, complete mm-hmm. it, and uh, I want to uh, confirm a deal with a publisher, 
and get on with and that. And it could it's be cold. out by next Christmas and we could all be having it in our stockings. Well, there you go. Um, well, so, it won't be that fast. Uh, and I've got all the personal photographs, mm-hmm. you see, over the years to go in there with, um, you know, lots of uh, famous people and, uh, you know, it's just good stuff. Uh, it's called, well, right now I'm calling it Too Much to Tell. Perfect. So, that sounds like a great title. Mm-hmm. Michael, thank you so much for coming in for our Musical Theatre podcast. Good luck with the rest of the run oh, well, did, of were White we Christmas. Recording that? And I, we, I just thought we were hanging out here eating these delicious... Well, we can now finish, because I've been dying to finish mm. mine, our um, cannolis. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they are good. Mm. 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 Perfect. Wow. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> oh. Well, that was Michael Brandon. And if you enjoyed that, well, you can rate it. There are things that you push that say, give it five stars or something. I don't know, give it ten. 